Thank you, Esther. Let's just take a moment to pray. Father, we thank you for bringing us into your house this afternoon. Lord, we ask you to start to speak to us by your Holy Spirit, Lord Jesus. And Father, we thank you that you are the creator God, the Father who created the heavens and the earth, who knit everything together, who holds our very being together with the word of your mouth. And Lord, we thank you that you dreamed the universe. You dreamed up the universe. You dreamed every aspect, every planet, even this planet which we live on. You dreamed of every animal which you'd place here, and you dreamed about the people that you would create to represent you, created in your image. And Father, we thank you that we are of those that are created in the image of God. We thank you that we have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of us. We thank you that we have the capacity to dream dreams and the capacity to really bring into reality all of the wonderful creations of heaven. And so Lord, we ask today, speak to us by your Spirit. Stir up something in our hearts that we would really encounter you, engage with you, and see your glory, your kingdom manifested here on earth. In Jesus' name, amen. We're looking at this uh, message today on motivated to succeed, how to listen to the voice of your coach, how to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Now, last week, we, we started off this message with the topic, how to receive a prophetic word for your life. And if you weren't able to join us, do go back and watch it on the internet, uh, a strong word on how to really prepare the grounds of our hearts, how to cultivate and till the grounds of our hearts so that when God speaks, we can receive that word and it bear fruit. See, we know that sometimes we can hear the word of God and it does nothing. Sometimes we can hear the word of God on a regular basis. Can you just pull the string right in front of you there, please? On a regular basis, sorry, it's just the curtains. On a regular basis, we can sit under the word and it makes no difference. But you see, there comes a time when we've got to get dissatisfied with the Word of God making no difference in our lives. Because the Word of God contains power to bring transformation to you. Not just to the people around you, but to you. God doesn't intend that the power of the Word passes over you. You know, we know about the Passover lamb where the destructive uh, angel came and destroyed those who had risen up against Israelite people. That's not what God wants to do, pass over your life. He wants the word to become a reality in your life, to bring about all the things that he's dreamed about you. And so there has to be a preparation of heart. But I want to just take it on to this next step. How do we start to make that a reality? How do we start to bring about the prophetic words that God has spoken to us, the, the things that we've dreamt? How do they become a reality in our lives? And I want to start with a, a question that I've been asking a few people, and they just look at me blankly when I ask it. But it's a question for you. If you're not bringing the glory in your life, then who is? If you're not bringing the glory of God into your life, then who is? Because it's available. It's possible for you to walk in the presence of God all of the time. It's possible for you to encounter God all of the time. It's possible for you to make his dreams for you a reality all of the time. But if you're not walking with him like that, then who's going to do it for you? It's not our job. It's not your parents' job. It's not even your spouse's job. It's your job. So what are you going to do to start to bring about the glory of God in your life? What are you going to do to start to see his power poured out through you? There's that great prayer, Father, let your will be done on earth as it is done in heaven. You're built to dream. We've covered the topic of dreaming. 
times in the service, but it's so fundamentally important to how we begin to step out into who Christ is calling us to be. You're created in the image of God. And I want you to just, just take a moment, think about the creative depths of God's mind. The enormous complexity of the world that we live in. So complex that it could not happen by accident, by a little cell jumping out of the primordial soup. Jeremiah 29:11 says this about you, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. God specializes in taking people who are nowhere, taking people who are right at the bottom of the pile in terms of our human understanding and making them fulfillments of his dreams. Think about David the shepherd that was on the backside of the world looking after sheep and yet comes to bring a snack to his brothers and ends up being propelled into the limelight as the king of Israel to succeed King Saul. Think about Joseph who found himself at the bottom of a pit and was dragged out of that pit and thrown into prison and from his place in prison rose up to be the second in all of Egypt. Think about Moses, say one who had been born in a lap of luxury but found himself on the backside of the desert looking at a burning bush, having a conversation with a bush. But he was meeting with God. You might want to think, well, those are good Bible stories, but someone shared this illustration just recently, and it really was very impactful in the terms of the way it opened and highlighted things to me and many of the men who were the encounter. Dan was sharing about it. A great story of how God can take nobodies and make them somebodies in our current world, in our current society. And it's a group of, of young men that um, basically had a passion to put together a band. And they used to perform in this band to audiences of two to five people. And on a regular basis, they would have these concerts and be putting themselves out there and be wondering what was going on when no one was showing up and people were coming to them and saying, listen, you know, you guys are rubbish and you probably need to change your lead singer and get one of the other guys to sing because the guy who's leading can't sing at all. But three of these guys were members of a church and they were also struggling with their faith and with their music and how they could bring together their faith and their music. And so we're going to show you a DVD just now which shows you this group. I'm sure some of you will recognize them um, as they come up on the, on the screen. So if you're ready, let's show that clip.
Recognize that small band? One of the greatest bands in the world. You see how many hundreds of thousands of people, or probably a hundred thousand in that stadium, and Bono is up there declaring, God, what can I give back to you? A guy who some people said could not sing, a band who some people said should not be performing becoming one of the greatest bands in the world, and he's standing on the platform saying, God, what can I give back to you for what you do? What are those walls that hold you inside? I want to tear down those walls that hold you inside. I want to tear down those things which prevent you from being everybody, being the person that God is calling you to be. What is holding you back? Maybe you're saying, Gabriel, you know, I've tried dreaming before. Maybe I've tried becoming somebody before, but I failed my degree. I dropped out of high school. I tried starting up a business and it failed. I got into work and then after a while I got kicked out because I couldn't handle the pressure and the stress. You know what's good is I get to make my mom proud because uh, I got a third class degree when I should have got a, a first class degree because I got um, a degree in drinking, not a degree in chemistry. But now I get to speak to you guys and represent Christ in Kensington Temple on a regular basis. You know, God can take somebody who's really screwed up their own life, done their best to blow up their own life, and he can make them someone in his kingdom. And if you were to look at your dreams, if you were to look at the things that you failed at, there are generally two reasons why They've not succeeded. And if there's two reasons why, then we can learn to see how God can address those two reasons and bring us into the fulfillment of dreams. The first is, so many of us are dreaming dreams that are not worth dreaming. Dreaming the dreams that the world has given us to dream. The Ferrari is the dream. It's a nice car, but it's not the dream. The mansion is the dream. Nice house, but that's not the dream. The big bank balance, that's the dream. Be good to have it, but it's not the dream. The trophy wife or the, you know, the banker husband. Nice, but that's not the dream. Why accept a counterfeit dream, a dream that the world tells you is what you should be having, when it doesn't really amount to much? 
It might look good at the time, but anything of those things can be stripped away in just a moment. Thank God that he didn't give you all of those things when you weren't walking with him as well, because you'd have found that you trusted in those things, not trusted in God, because ultimately it's God that gives salvation. Ultimately, it's God that gives us places of status where we can be influential for him. So the first is dreaming dreams or putting our trust in things that are not even of any substance. The second is where we have a brokenness in our character that buckles when the circumstances weigh too heavily against us. And every one of us can think about something which is buckled under the pressure of the circumstances which are around us. In my, my situation that I shared just earlier, I didn't have the ability to control the alcohol which I was drinking. And so it became a problem. But what else for you guys? What has been the thing that has taken you to a place of brokenness because you couldn't take the pressure of the situation you were in? And they've most likely brought you to a place where you've stopped dreaming. And Paul says something that so many people love, this powerful verse in Philippians 3, starting from verse 13. This one thing I do, I forget that which is behind and reach forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And there comes a point in time when you have to stop being bound by the walls of your past, stop being bound by the things that have held you back, and start to press on by forgetting. Because if God can forget the things that you've done, then you should be able to forget the things that you've done. And if God, who has the best memory of everything, of everyone, that can remember every single thought that he's had about you and the hairs that are on your head right now, not the hairs that are on your head when you go home after you've lost a few by brushing them out, if he knows that, if he knows how to hold the whole world together, if he remembers how to keep the world turning, then surely he'll remember everything you've done in your life. Except God says, as far as the east is from the west, so far have I removed your sin from you. I have forgotten the sins which you have committed. You are now a new creation in Christ Jesus. You are now the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So God can forget. Can we forget? The second thing is this, is that God actually talks in dreams. God intends to reawaken your dream life. Some of you are so good at dreaming and dreaming big things, but because of a few broken dreams, you've stopped dreaming. But he intends to awaken your dream life because when God starts to stir your dream life, he actually puts you in a position where you can't achieve your dreams except that he's with you in your dreams. The great thing about God is he gives us dreams that are so big that we can only accomplish them with his power. And the dependency upon him, the reliance upon him becomes paramount. And in that process, while he's showing you the dream and empowering you to step towards that dream, he also intends to make you whole through the pressures and circumstances that he brings around you. The areas that were broken, his strength on the inside makes them whole. The areas where you were failing before, his strength on the inside helps you to succeed. Again, in this situation where I would drink in order to forget because of certain trials and situations that were going on in my life then, now I'm strong enough to carry on through all of the challenges that I face in the role that I do today in ministry. So God makes you whole and gives you the ability to fulfill your dreams. Isn't that amazing? Start dreaming again. In this, uh, another passage in Ephesians 3, 14, we read this so many times, but let me read it for you again. 
that God would grant you according to the riches of his glory. Think of the riches of heaven, the multiplicity of stuff that God has available up there for you. To be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, the length, the depth, the height, to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus. See, God is a big God who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above everything that you could dream. You know, a friend asked me recently, he said, Gabriel, not, he's not a Christian, and I think he was quite shocked with the, the dream that I told him I have. He was saying, Gabriel, what do you dream about? What is your vision? What is your legacy? What do you desire to do with your life? And I said, well, I at least want to leave a legacy, at least, where 10,000 men have the spirit of sonship on the inside of them, where they know who they are in Christ, and they are bringing love into their families, their families are transformed because they are carrying the love of God, their workplaces, they are people of influence there, that they stand up for righteousness. I want to see at least 10,000 men. Now to us, that's a lot. But to God, that's nothing. But in his mentality, my friend, when I was talking to him, 10,000, he's sitting there like, I probably know about 50 people. How on earth would we scale up to that? God gives us dreams that only he can fulfill in us. And one of the saddest things to be doing would be to go on with life and be successful here and be successful there and be recognized and the gift of God recognized in your life, but you not know that it was a gift from God. That would, I think, break God's heart. That, you know, you're a person of position and you get influence and you get promoted at work and people recognize your achievements, but you don't know that it's God doing it in you. We need to know that to fulfill our dreams, it's only God. And to become whole enough to sustain those dreams, it's only God. So how do we learn to hear the voice of the Lord? How do we learn to carry what he's saying to us? How do we learn to live his purposes for our lives? See, if we bring it back to the idea of the Olympics, the process would be for you to be somebody that's competing out there today or in the couple of coming weeks, is that you have a set of skills, a gifting, that somebody comes along and recognizes, a coach, somebody who has an eye for detail and an eye for this kind of a talent, and that, that coach will come and bring a challenge. You know what? You have the potential to be the best. I can help you with some technical skills. I can help you with your lifestyle. I can help you with your diet. I can help you with your priorities because you have the potential to be the best. But you see, then there's that agreement, there's that covenant that's made. Yes, coach, I need you with me to make it to there, to make it to be on a podium place, to make it to be representing my nation, to make it to be somebody who is going to do something great. And so that coach gets intimately involved in every area of your life. When you go to sleep, when you wake up, who you can hang out with, what social time you have, what you can eat. No pizza on Fridays. That coach gets involved with the relationships that you have to keep you away from people that would 
um, demotivate you, who would lead you to accept mediocrity in your life. That coach would be there when you succeed. That coach would also be there when you fail. That coach would be there to take you to the next level, as well as helping you up when you stumble over something repeatedly. And you see, the person that's standing there, the person that's in the podium position, the person that's receiving a gold medal or bronze or even silver, or even just getting to compete at the games, that person is there because of the synergy of their gifts and talents with the one who is in their corner, fighting for them, standing for them, steering them to victory. You're going to see the obvious step. But the Holy Spirit intends to be our coach in that kind of a way. You see, he sees in you what you don't see in yourself. He sees the gifts, the talents, the abilities in you that he's placed in you that you don't see yourself. And you just assume because they're not manifest fully now that they're not there at all. And yet God sees the seed that has been planted in you that he's going to draw out as he gets involved in your life and begins to coach you. And I want to just pitch this out for you. The most fulfilling dream of all that you could potentially live with your life is to make God's name famous. So you think about all the things that Bono gets to do. He gets to stand up for uh, famine in the world, to end poverty. He gets to stand up on a whole multitude of different issues. But there, in front of thousands of people, his decision was, God, how much can I honor you for what you've given to me? The simple difference between where you are now and getting to where you are and called to be is your ability to start walking with your coach, the Holy Spirit. The first point that I want to make today is learning to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. How many of you would say that you know how to hear the voice of God? Okay. How many of you don't know and have never tried hearing the voice of God? So the rest, I assume, would be those that don't know but have tried <laughs> by process of elimination. And I want to just put a few boundaries out there for you when it comes to hearing the voice of the Lord. The first is this, is that you've got to still yourself. You know, some people do this. They get on their knees in the morning. Some of you get on your knees at five to midnight, just five minutes before you get to bed. Jesus bless his sleep. Amen. Good night. Or five minutes before you need to leave the office, uh, home to go to the office. But you need to make time to still yourself before the Lord. Because what you do is sometimes people run in there, Jesus, you're going to talk to me today? Oh no, you're still in a bad mood? Okay. <laughs> but Jesus is never the one in a bad mood. It's normally us that's in a bad mood. Or too tired, or too distracted, or too preoccupied with all of the to-do list and the things that we need to get done to sit down and listen to the voice of the Lord. I guarantee you, like we said last week, that God is always talking, you're just not listening. So if you were to sit down, start with 15 minutes, go to half an hour, go to an hour, build up your time, start a train, get training with your prayer life, but start to still yourself to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. And that involves a sitting down and listening. Best way to do that is open your Bible in your laps and bind that sleep demon that comes with your Bible. You know what I'm talking about? How many of you open your Bible and you're just like... <laughs> As you open it, you sleep demon in Jesus' name, I bind you. And ask the Lord to start to speak to you out of his word. 
You see, the reason that that is the best way to start to hear the voice of God is this, is that our minds have been so filled with the way that the world thinks, we don't even know what God is, how to hear what God would talk about. You know, one of the reasons we give offering talks on every single service is because we've been so taught by the world how to approach money. And yet God approaches money in a completely different way. For God, money is a seed. It's a tool to be used for us. Money, God is money. And so that has to be taught out of our brains such that we think that actually God is God and money is a tool which can be used to accomplish his purposes and then live accordingly. That's why we share the word on a regular basis, so we get to think right about what money is for. But for every aspect of our lives, we need to understand what the Holy Spirit would say to us. So spend time in your word. And a few simple principles for you. When you start to hear the leading of the Holy Spirit, oftentimes people will hear crazy stuff like, you know what, if you really love Jesus, if you really love Jesus, you would go out to Leicester Square and you would prayer walk around Leicester Square seven times, and then you would get down on your knees in sackcloth and ashes and lie there until the presence of the Lord fell. It sounds crazy, but I had a friend who went crazy because he did all of that stuff that he thought the Holy Spirit was telling us, telling him. You see... God will often start to speak to you about your identity, about your purpose, about your capability of fulfilling your purpose. He doesn't go with silly questions like, if you really love me, then you go and do it. See, because God demonstrates his love for you first to seek your response back. Not you going out there to prove that you love him. So first, sit in the place of God's presence and allow him to affirm your identity, that he loves you, that you are his son or daughter, that he has a purpose for you, a plan for you, that whatever you do, he accepts you for who you are. Now, that's not an excuse to go away and sin. Never is it. But the point is that we have fundamental, powerful acceptance from the Lord. The second is that we have a capability to fulfill the dreams that he's prepared for us. We might say, oh, you know, I, I, I could never get up there and public speak. I've said to you before that I, the first time I public, spoke in public, I was scratching my head, losing the page on, paper on my notes. Paper was everywhere. I was looking to people for affirmation, and they were just like. <laughs> See, the Holy Spirit does not speak condemnation. He invites you to take responsibility. He does not speak words of hate or even how do you prove how you love me. He simply shows you his love for you. He doesn't intend to bring heaviness, dissatisfaction, depression when he speaks with you. He intends to bring life and freedom and joy. So simple parameters as we're reading the word, are we feeling the love of the Lord within us? Are we feeling the peace of God? Are we feeling the ability to take responsibility? Some might say, well, you know, I read that bit where it says don't have sex before marriage, and that didn't make me feel good, so that mustn't be from the Lord. Let me just say that that's in Scripture. So when, it, when you don't like what you read, that's a whole different issue. When you don't like what you read, what you do is you say, Jesus, change my heart so that I can live according to your word. Not change your word so that I can live according to my desires. The second is this, agree with the voice of your coach. Agree with the voice of your coach. Now, 
in the illustration I shared earlier about the Olympic athlete, when they first start out, they're probably like, no, I don't want to give you another 10. My, my arms are burning. I've just given you 150 press-ups. If I tried to give you another 10, my arms would probably fall off. I don't want to give you another five hours running. I don't want to do another session in the gym. I don't want to go sleep for 10 hours. I want to go out and party with my friends tonight. I don't want to do all of this stuff. But as they get into the routine, they suddenly begin to see the results of walking with their coach. Imagine if you got into the routine of praying every day in tongues, reading your Bible every day, praying out the revelation that God gives you while you're praying in tongues. Imagine if you got into that as a routine. Now, I imagine if I was to go and start taking up gym work again, that the glory that is residing upon me will diminish. And I know it to be true. You see, sometimes we need this little kick over the hurdle, the kick over the hump, so that we can start practicing what we're hearing here. This is intended to be that kick for you, to get you over and out of the place of lethargy and to start dreaming again so that you can start to see God's purposes fulfilled in your life. Agree with the voice of your coach. It's because you're going to have a million other voices trying to come at you. If God says to you, you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, and you hear any voice that comes to say, nah, you're a filthy sinner. Nah, look at what you did last night. Look at what you've just been thinking. How dare you say that you're the righteousness of God in Christ when you've just committed that sin? And the most frequent sin that we hear people afraid of committing is, have I committed the unforgivable sin? So many people come up convinced that they've done something to commit the unforgivable sin and therefore they're disqualified from the the walk of God. If the devil can convince you of that, then he can sideline you for the whole of your life. And that's why he goes with that simple tactic. You know, you've committed the unforgivable sin, there's no more hope for you. But you see, if you actually care about what God thinks, if you care about righteousness, if you care about walking with Jesus in any way, then you've not committed that sin because that sin is about rejecting the walk of God, the uh, the work of Christ in your life, as if it were the work of the enemy. But you see, you've got to hear the voice of your coach and agree with the voice of your coach because your enemy is going to be in your ear. You know what? You're not going to make it. Whoa. Whoa. Whoa, you want to see 10 million pounds raised to feed the, the, the homeless or to establish homes right across London for, for those that can't look after? You need 10 million pounds. Whoa. You can't even raise 10 pounds. You can't even save 100 pounds. Who are you to dream about 10 million? The Holy Spirit's given you a vision. The Holy Spirit's given you a word. The Holy Spirit's with you. That 10 million to the Holy Spirit is like that. But the devil will convince you it's an insurmountable goal. Whoa, you, you think you're going to get up and proclaim the word of the Lord? You, you're going to win people to Christ? But what about when you know, they start to investigate your lifestyle? Especially your friends, because your friends see you all the time. They've seen you mad. They've seen you when you fail. They've seen you when you, you blow out and you just say things that you shouldn't be saying. Oh, who do you think you are to represent Christ? That's the voice of the enemy. See, because whatever stage of your walk with Christ, you can still represent Christ. Wherever you are, you can still say Jesus is Savior because your inability to walk just as you're called to walk as yet does not diminish the fact that he's Savior. You can still proclaim truth about him even if you're not there yet. You can still talk the truth about what he can do in other people's life because you've seen something happen in your own. Agree with his voice. Agree with the fact that he's speaking words of love over you and words of life.
You know, verses like, for God so loved the world, that is such a powerful, powerful verse. Or that verse that I read earlier to you from Paul, that God would strengthen you by his spirit on the inside. That Christ might dwell in your hearts through faith, that you might learn to trust him. The invitation of God, trust me, trust me, trust me, trust me. Look how much I love you. Won't you trust me? Look how much I love you. I gave you my son for you. Won't you trust me? Look, you need this little, little bit of money for the rent? Easy. You need a little bit of healing for the, the life that you've had to lead? Easy. It doesn't diminish the fact that you've had those experiences, but for God, it's easy. just want to take a moment on that, just to pray for people who have agreed with the voice of the enemy and allowed him to take away those dreams. So let's pray. Father, I just lift up to you those that have received the negative words of the enemy that have brought their hopes, their dreams into destruction. Father, right now, I thank you that you would break those words off of their lives, those individual words. And Lord, that you'd bring them into a place of freedom where they'd be able to dream again where people have spoken negativity, where people have spoken destruction, where people have spoken words that have killed dreams. Father, we reverse those words right now in the spirit, Lord God, and we speak words of life over those dreams again, Father. For those that have given up hope for achieving their career goals, we speak life over them. For those that have given up hope of a a life of, of being able to provide for their family, we speak life over those things. Lord Jesus, for those that are working, having to work three jobs because they couldn't get the job that was right for them, Father, I ask, Lord God, that you'd make a way, Father, for them to step into that place that you have prepared for them, Lord God. And Lord Jesus, that you'd bring people into a place of liberty and freedom to walk in your fullness. In Jesus' name. Point number three, build your life around your coach. It's essential for success. You think the coach has to build his life around you? No, you need to build, in this case, you need to build your life around your coach. The whole life participation with your coach, the Holy Spirit. Because, see, he's the one that gives you the wisdom, the understanding, the strength, the direction to step into being who he's calling you to be. If you have a part-time relationship with your coach, why don't you go play football in the local league? If you have a part-time in your relationship with your coach, don't expect to step up into realms that God wants you to step up into. Don't expect to be the best teacher that you can be. Don't expect to be the best businessman that you can be. Don't expect to be the best lawyer, doctor, etc. that you can be if you want to have a part-time relationship with your coach. But if you were to spin it and take on a full-time relationship with the Holy Spirit, going with him everywhere you can, you will see doors open. You'll see opportunities open up. You'll see things that are impossible for other people happen for you. You see, it's what happens when the Holy Spirit's involved is he goes about 50 steps ahead of you. And he goes, yep, you made it that far. Okay, now I'll go that bit, now that bit, now that bit. Okay, now you're here. Okay, you need to go up here. If it was up to us, we would be down here again trying to get back up to the top. But the Holy Spirit directs us, guides us. Point four, recognizing that the Holy Spirit doesn't just have to speak to you through the word, through himself. See, one of the best things, one of the things that I value the most is having brothers in the faith. Because actually they get to speak to you when you can't hear the voice of the Lord. They get to encourage you from a different perspective when you've stopped catching sight of where you should be going. 
See, sometimes the, the coach will have your friends involved and be like, listen, he's so mad at me that I need you to just come in and bring a word of encouragement. And that's what happens when we're brothers and, and sisters in the faith is that people come in and encourage you. Don't expect to make it on your own. If the Olympic athlete needs a team around them to get them to that place, how much more do we need a team around us to get us to the place where God is calling us to go? That's why we have cells in the church. That's why we encourage you to be in small groups so that you have people around you encouraging you, lifting you up, stirring your strength when you don't know how to stir your strength, lifting you up when you don't know how to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. Think of Barnabas who went to find Paul, a man who was on his own in Antioch. He went to find him and dragged him out of that place and made him into the apostle that he is today or was in his time and that we know today. See, that required somebody getting alongside and pulling them out of a situation. So when you come to church, think of church as a place where you can build relationships which transform your destiny. See, your friends in the world, keep tight with them, but don't allow them to define your destiny. Because God is the one who defines your destiny. So many people, I don't want to step out. I don't want to do this because my friends, they're going to miss, you know, they're going to make fun of me. They're going to try and pull me back down. And I just want to keep my friendships rather than step out being who God is calling me to be. How about think about this, that get people around you from the church who can encourage you to be who you can be so that you can pull your friends in with you. That'd be a better way to look at it. So one, hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. Two, agree with his voice. Three, Reject the words of the enemy, the lies of the enemy. And four, recognize that you can help other people step into their destiny as well. So that we together can succeed for the glory of God in this nation. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for the privilege of walking with you. We thank you that you dream great dreams over us. We thank you that you have a great plan for us. And we thank you, Lord, that you just begin to stir in the spirit over us, Lord. Dreams again, Father. Lord, where we sit here and potentially think, oh, there's a nice word and go away. Instead, that there'll be a real capturing in the spirit, a real stirring of, of the imagination to begin to release those things that you've put in us, Lord. The, the seed that you've placed in us, the, the capacities that you've placed in us so that we can dream to become the awesome, mighty men that you're calling us to be and mighty women that you're calling us to be for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give the Lord a praise offering. God bless you as you start to make your way today. Five o'clock, Bruce Atkinson. Seven o'clock, Bruce Atkinson. It's so hot, I tried to take a shower with a glass of water. Um, thank you so much for being here. It's great to have you here with us. Um, do join us for the remainder of those services. If you're new to the church, come forward and say hi. We've got a welcome team here. They'd love to meet you, help you find your place here in the church, and uh, encourage you in your next steps. If you need to get involved in a cell, please do come and see us as well. We'd love to help you take those steps so that you can start to build those life-changing relationships. Um, and do join us next Sunday. God bless you. See you all very soon. Oh, next Sunday is our baptism service. So if you need to be baptized, join us at 2 o'clock, room behind here. Let your friends know if they need to be baptized. Amen.